All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the TF Podcast, where we talk about tech, finance, uh, Bitcoin, crypto, and, and everything in between. I'm really excited for uh, my next guest. Uh, he is a rapper, a podcast host, a weightlifter, uh, a pretty fun guy to follow on Twitter. Uh, his name is Zuby. Uh, thanks for being here, Zuby. I love you could introduce yourself to everybody. Hey, Jonathan, I appreciate it, man. So yeah, I am Zuby, independent rapper, author, podcaster, public speaker from the UK. Um, yeah, you, you've t touched on a few things there already. So that's who I am. <laughs> that's what I do, at least anyway. Nice. So I was, you know, just looking you up at a time and I, I saw that you, you spent some time uh, growing up in uh, Saudi Arabia. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I lived there for 19 years. So oh, wow. that's actually the main place where I grew up. And then um, when I was 11, I came to the UK for boarding school. I also went to university in the UK. I studied at Oxford. But during that whole period, I was still living in Saudi Arabia. So I was back and forth between the two countries a lot. Yeah, yeah. What, uh, what took you to Saudi Arabia? Um, so my dad's actually a medical doctor. And he, okay. got, he got a job offer to work out there um, sometime in the 80s. And so, yeah, the whole family moved over there. And that is where I happened to grow up, which has given me a unique perspective on a lot of things and a different background to from quite a lot of people. Yeah, totally. Totally. I bet. Uh, and then especially like going back and forth between the UK. Okay. So you're Oxford uh, educated. I actually have a funny story about Oxford. Um, so my, uh, my wife now, but she was my girlfriend at the time when, um, when we were dating, um, we actually had just started dating and we found some crazy, I live in Seattle. We found some crazy deal to go to London for uh, $400 and included uh, flight or sorry, flight and ho flight and hotel. So we're like, let's do it. Um, anyways, I'm driving on the opposite side of the road of what I'm used to be driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so every time we're driving through the roads, my wife or girlfriend at the time was like, Hey, you're getting too close to the road. You're getting too close to the road. So anyways, we're driving, we're like in Ox, we see the sign to Oxford. And we're like, well, we, let's check out Oxford. I mean, we know that's, mm. that's obviously a, a interesting city of, of England. So anyways, um, she's like, you're getting too close. And then one, one last time she's like, you're getting too close. <laughs> We basically, or not we, I, the side mirror hits the side of a double-decker bus, and it just shattered. Oh. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it, everything went in slow motion, too, at that moment, right? So, like, just, yeah. like, a big poof of, you know, dust or whatever. It hits the side of the bus, and we just, you know, I just take off, and I go to the thing. Uh, I go to find somewhere to park, and we just die laughing. We're like, do we go back and check in the bus? I'm like, no, that, that bus has got to be fine. <laughs> so, oh, no. Was it a, was it a rental? It was a rental, so I had to pay for the, oh. you know, I had to pay for the thing. It was, it was crazy. But, oh, uh, no. That's funny. So, okay, Oxford educated rapper. How does that happen? Like, it, do what, what do people usually say about that? I, I, I love that juxtaposition there. Yeah, well, I, I guess I've gotten used to it now. I mean, yeah. I've been an Oxford educated rapper for a while now, but when I was in <laughs> university, it was certainly something that, uh, that made me stand out a lot, both within the world of hip hop and also within the world of Oxford. I mean, yeah. there weren't, I was kind of the only person in the university really doing what I was doing in that regard. So I became, I was actually very well known in Oxford. A lot of people knew me through my music and stuff like that because I do gigs and I yeah. released my first album when I was there and I'd shot a music video, which was actually shot um, at Oxford University. If anyone goes and watches my first music video, step into me, then they'll see that it's actually shot in Oxford. Um, so I've been a I've been a I'd been a hip hop fan 
since I was maybe about 13 years old. Never tried writing or recording my own stuff or anything like that. But I was into the music. And then um, I started rapping when I was in Oxford, actually, in my first year of university. So um, I was stuck in the airport flying to Nigeria one time. And um, I... I had a layover in Paris for about 24 hours and I had nothing to do. I was bored. I had some pen and paper and some MP3s on my MP3 player. <laughs> and I just started writing down some lyrics and yeah. lo and behold, turned out I was able to do it and I kept doing it. And you know, I'm giving the very sort of abbreviated version of the story sure, here, sure. but um, I would play my stuff to my family and my friends and, you know, just record acapellas on my phone and people were saying, yeah, you know, it was good. Keep it up and everything like that. And then when I got back to university, I actually started recording. And within about nine months, I had my first album, Commercial Underground, out. And that was sort of the spark that I could do more with it than it just being a hobby. That's awesome. So I'm a big fan of hip hop. I love the hip hop um, story of, you know, how people kind of came about and decided to go about it, right? Because it takes a level of confidence in yourself to say like, okay, I'm actually going to do this. I'm curious, when was that moment where it kind of went, it evolved from hobby to wait a second, like, I think I could actually, you know, create an album, mm. like, how long do you think it took you to really get that confidence or that feel that that's what you wanted to do? Not that long, to be honest with you. No, not that long. Um, I mean, the, so the first three songs I made were sort of my, my demo, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth, fifth and sixth songs I made all were on my first album. So by the time I was four songs in, I was making songs that I was happy to put on an album. And, uh, all those songs are still on, on iTunes and Apple music and Spotify and whatever, if you want to check that out, go and listen to my album commercial underground and some of the songs on there, those were really my, my early songs. Um, yeah, the song called, there's a song called before tell me why, which is the fourth song I wrote. Fifth song I wrote was called worldwide. That's also on the album. And then after that, I think I wrote uh, step into me, which was my first single and still one of my most popular songs. And that was actually like the sixth, sixth song I ever wrote. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. No, I love it. Yeah. No, like I said, I've, I've loved hip hop for a really long time. I actually used to write lyrics okay. um, just for myself. I never, you know, wrote, I never, you know, presented or anything like that, but I just do it for myself just cause it was, I don't know, just kind of therapeutic. I just really, I really, mm. uh, you know, enjoyed uh, doing it. So I, I love talking to people that uh, are creative and artistic and, you know, find those uh, different ways to do it. So, um, you know, I'd love to kind of evolve to, uh, you know, you as uh, the kind of these other elements and, you know, a lot, one of the things we like to focus a lot about on my podcast is just like the finance and like the business aspect of things. So when did okay. you kind of start realizing like the business opportunities that came around along with, you know, you as a persona uh, as well as like you as an artist and how that evolved into what you're doing. So, as I said, I released my very first album um, going way back now to 2006. So I was still in university and I started out with just making 50 copies, 50 CD copies of my album. And I would just sell them around my university primarily to begin with. And I sold all 50 copies in I think about a week or so. And so that was the moment where I realized, oh, you know what? It's one thing people telling me, hey, you, you're good at rapping or, you know, I like your music. It's another thing people being willing to pay you for it. Right. So when I realized I could do that, 
you know, the light bulb went off and I was like, Oh, okay. You know, if I can sell 50, I can sell a hundred. Yeah. Sell a hundred. I can sell a thousand. And um, I ended up selling 3000 copies in total of my first album. And that's totally independently. This isn't, you know, no label, no PR or just hustling. Yeah. Just hustling, just, you know, going out and talking to people, playing them my songs and selling my music. And so that was what set off the idea of going, okay, this is something I can, I can, I can do something with this. And then fast forward many years, um, over time, more, it's expanded more and more. So started out with just being the music, primarily everything being CD based over time. Um, I started selling my own t-shirts, my I'm down with Zuby, are you t-shirts? I started selling those. My merchandise expanded into, um, other t-shirts, hoodies, caps, beanies, wristbands. I had my own brand of headphones for several years, which I used to promote and sell. So I expanded into all these other areas. And then uh, last year, beginning of 2019, I started my own podcast, Real Talk with Zuby. I wrote my and released my first book, Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. I wrote and released that about a year ago now. I think May or June last year, I released that and that sold approaching... Uh, approaching 2000 copies now again independently it's not even on amazon just through my own website and my through my own means yeah um and then yeah i also do uh i also do elements of coaching i do fitness coaching life coaching i do some public speaking events of course i do live shows stuff like that so there are a whole bunch of strings in the in the bow and um honestly i just do stuff that i enjoy i do stuff mm-hmm. that i think i'm good at and i do stuff that i'm in, i enjoy and other people find value in it other people appreciate it and I'm very blessed in that regard to be able to just do the things that I want. I mean, it's taking a crazy amount of work to get there and uh, things sure. still have a long way to go to get them where I want to be. But, um, you know, I love my life. I feel very blessed. I've got a great fan base, you know, a lot of people out there who really like me and like what I do and like what I say. And, um, you know, I'm on a mission in this world. I'm trying to inspire millions and millions of people. And I know that I will be able to reach that. I just need a uh, time, and it's it's coming with time. So yeah. um, that's well, I'm just trying to fulfill my potential. No, that's great. I love I love the whole you know producing your own content and being in charge of you know you're basically in charge of that destiny uh, you know through that. What you know what are your thoughts on remaining independent? Do you have is there um, do you have like altruistic vision or, or views of, of remaining independent? Do you want to go more mainstream or, or, or try to be, you know, pair yourself with, with other entities or is this a part of you that you want to be more on an independent type of basis? Yeah, man. I mean, I haven't been independent for 13, 14 years to want to go and sell my soul away to a label or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, that would be, that would kind of be backwards at this stage. Yeah. But, um, you know, for me, it, I mean, I was independent before. It was cool. To be, it's cool to be independent now. Mm-hmm. It's cool to claim to be independent, but it, it certainly wasn't when I started out. Everybody wanted to be signed. Everybody wanted to be with a label. Nobody thought you could do stuff, you know, by yourself. Yeah. So I kind of followed the blueprint that certain independent artists in the U.S. were doing where I was seeing them printing up their own CDs and mixtapes and hustling and selling in different towns and different cities and stuff. So that was the model that I, I used to start with. That's really how I built my initial fan base. And um, both from a creative perspective and from a business perspective, I'm a big fan of independence and autonomy, essentially, especially in business. I don't like to be controlled or be dictated to by other people or to be forced to do anything that I, that I don't genuinely want to do. So whether it comes to my music or my book or my podcast or anything like that, I mean, I'm open to 
I'm open to opportunities. I'm not, I'm not closed off for people who, who genuinely, want, sure, genuinely sure. want to help me and want to help me further things. I'm totally open to that. But um, I do think that there's a, there's a huge amount of power in independence and there's always going to be a trade-off in terms of authenticity and integrity and everything like that. If you want to, I mean, I, I want to grow stuff as big as I can, but I'm not willing to sacrifice my own values or too much sort of control for that to happen. And um, I'm patient. I'm very hungry, but I'm patient. And I know that I'm on the right trajectory to achieve my goals. So that's what just that's simply what I strive for every day. And hopefully by me doing it, I can encourage other people to do the same as well. Yeah, I, I, I think that's great. The, and the world shifted, right? Because when you were doing it in 2006, it was a lot harder to be independent, like you were just saying, right? Like there, there wasn't the tools to do it. Now there's so many tools uh, to do it with, you know, everything from social to your own podcasting, you know, like, like I'm doing here with my podcast. Um, I'm curious on your perspective of how that shifted, right? So with there being more tools or more ability to remain independent, does that create other problems for you or for independent artists in the sense like are things too saturated or is there, um, I guess, is there more noise out there as a result of it or does that, does that even matter? There's more noise. I don't really believe in saturation though. I mean, look, we don't, the world doesn't need, the world doesn't really need any more stuff. We've got enough music. We've got enough movies. We have enough video games. We have enough books. We have enough, we have enough podcasts. We have enough YouTube videos. Yeah. But the, it's insatiable. You can't saturate the market because you can always bring something different to what other people are offering, Yeah. right? There are however many podcasts, however many songs, however many artists, social media accounts, whatever, but each person is unique. So if you bring something unique to the table, which is easy to do if you are authentic, which is what I am, there's only one Zuby. I don't care how many other rappers there are. I don't care how many other podcasters or authors or fitness people or whatever. It doesn't matter. None of them are me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm me. I've got, I've got my market cornered. I have my own monopoly as far as I'm concerned. So I think people use that more as an excuse than anything, right? There's no, there's no market that's saturated. Right. Right. If you think the market is saturated, then I think that's just someone trying to find a way to weasel their way out of something they don't really want to be doing. Right. If you write a great book, a great book will sell. If you market it well and there's no appetite for it, it will sell. It doesn't matter if 5,000 people, 50,000 people have already covered a similar topic. It doesn't matter, right? Human beings always want more. Human beings are insatiable. And um, there's always new, different, and better ways of doing things that already exist. And that's sort of, that's, that's how life goes. We all build upon things that have already been created. It's very rare for anyone to totally create something from scratch. Totally, um, totally. Just keep building. Yeah, we keep innovating and yeah. Good. Yeah, arguably nothing is ever from scratch, right? We all like, you know, beg, borrow and steal and then morph it to fit whatever we're doing, right? Or, you know, mm-hmm. we, we all have influences uh, overall. I like how you said that you have your own monopoly, uh, you know, you, you have your own Zuby uh, monopoly. <laughs> and it's, a, it's a very interesting perspective because, um, you know, like you said, is that uh, people just kind of gravitate towards other people. And now that we have this ability to essentially maintain relationships with, with those that we don't even know at different levels, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know if you, did you watch the last dance the other day by chance, the Michael Jordan 
um, oh. documentary by chance or no? Anyways, so there was this documentary a couple of days ago with Michael Jordan and it's going to be this 10 part series. But what was interesting is one of the things people were talking about after the fact is that nowadays you have this opportunity to have this relationship with people, celebrities or whatever, kind of like at this hands distance because um, you're able to see and, and just kind of emulate or understand. And that just wasn't with the tools that were around in the past. You know, you, you obviously uh, couldn't do that. So. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting how you're kind of thinking uh, through that overall. Um, I, I kind of want to shift to Bitcoin here because um, I, I didn't intend for this to happen along the conversation arc that we're having. But, you know, you're talking about being independent. You're talking about doing things on your own. You're talking about um, like not selling out. And, um, you know, th these are all common um traits behind how people think about bitcoin and like why they like bitcoin like they, they want to be in kind of in control of their own um financial um sovereignty and uh like the idea that they can withhold the, their own currency on their keys and and not have someone control it um you know i know that you're a bitcoin proponent and that you're very interested I'm, I'm, i'd love to understand your discovery into bitcoin and then from there you know i'm wondering there there has to be some level of parallels between how you live your life to why you like bitcoin i'm assuming <laughs> <laughs> yeah certainly i mean in terms of discovery i i first heard about bitcoin man, like years before I ever bought any, um, but I'd never looked into it. I'd never looked into it. I mean, I'm, I'm actually a computer science graduate. So, oh, okay. Um, but uh, I probably I first heard about it. Maybe, I don't know. Pardon me. Maybe heard it mentioned in 2013 or something, but I just thought it was some kind of like in-game currency or some sort of PayPal alternative or something. I, I, I didn't bother researching it at yeah. all until 2017. And then once I did and I understood the fundamentals of it and the value proposition, I was sold on it pretty quickly, to be honest with you. Um, like a lot of people, I think initially I just saw pound signs or dollar signs and was like, ooh, okay, I wanted to invest to you know, earn some quick money because this is when it was, it was rapidly, rapidly rising. Yeah. Um, but then I, under, you know, I understood the fundamentals. I read a lot of different books about it, spoke to people, watched a lot of content, all of that to really get a better understanding. And I think the, I think depending on where someone's sort of socio-political views and mindset lies, I think the idea of Bitcoin is either an easy sell or maybe a very difficult sell to the person, yeah. depending on how, how they view the thing. Like I'm somewhat, um, I'm, I'm not a pure libertarian but I am someone with libertarian leanings generally politically. And I, I'm very much a fan of uh, self-determination and self-ownership and personal responsibility and everything like that. From an economic perspective, I do have an, I'm not an economist, but I have a decent understanding of some of the, some of the issues with the current monetary system and just understanding how money works and the fact that governments just, you know, or, or the, the fed in the, in the U S just print unknown amounts of you know, unknown yeah. amounts of pounds or dollars or whatever it is. And it's, we've gone off the gold standard for many, many years now. And it's not backed by anything. People like say Bitcoin is not backed by anything, not knowing that their pounds and dollars are not backed by anything. Right. Um, and in terms of what money actually does and just understanding what money is and what the 
what the primary components of a money of a good money, sound money, you know, hard money as people call it, are, then Bitcoin fulfills a lot of these properties. And as someone who has seen the world go through different technological eras and revolutions and seen the adoption curve in real time of different things, whether you're talking about basic mobile phones or you're talking about the email and internet and then broadband and then smartphones and social media. I mean, I've been on Facebook since 2004. So mm-hmm. I trust me, I remember when people thought Facebook was, Facebook was pointless because why? No one else is using it. Right. Okay. So I was one, of, I mean, I'm in the first 0.01% of Facebook users ever. Uh, you, you have, so, do you still have your uh, university login? Yes, my <laughs> so, university, still have my university login. So my university I. was, yeah, it was the first university in the UK that it came to. Yeah. So I've, so I've seen that, right? I've seen this multiple times. I've seen it happen. And the way people were talking about Bitcoin and crypto, both the proponents and the people who are you know, against it and who are still against it or who just don't understand it, it's very reminiscent to me of how people used to talk about email or mobile phones or the internet or social media or whatever. So yeah, sure. Things are still, things are still early. Um, and some of those questions and concerns are certainly valid at this stage, but given the properties of Bitcoin, um, I mean, I just think it's a totally unique form of money or an asset class, if someone wants to call it that. And so I, yeah, I'm, I believe in it to, to what degree, I mean, I don't know how, you know, none of us can predict the future. I I believe that Bitcoin is going to grow a lot in terms of adoption and I do believe that it will eat into some of the existing asset classes when people truly understand it and know it's proper and understand the value proposition. I think more stuff needs to be done to make it easy and accessible for people because I still think it's um, at that stage where. It's a little bit impenetrable to someone who is not techie at all, or maybe has no knowledge of economics at all. But I think over time, those things will be resolved and there will be a way to sort of, let's say mainstream it and make it, make it very, I mean, it's happening over time. It's already easier now to buy Bitcoin than it, than it would have been five years ago, let alone eight years ago. So these things happen over time. Um, And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's something that very much excites me and interests me. And I think, wow, okay, this is a, a chance to also, I mean, a part of it is fun as well. It's like, it's an experiment. It's, you know, yeah. it's, it's an opportunity to be involved in some way, shape or form in something that is new and which could fundamentally change the way we view money and the way that we save and the way that we spend and everything like that. So we will see. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think there's definitely lots of interesting, um, you know, aspects to it. And you know, you, yeah, your background in computer science, I'm sure all this kind of uh, uh, accounts for how you're how you're thinking about it. You know, for me, um, the way I kind of think about Bitcoin overall is just uh, that whole like bigger than oneself type of thing. It's it's you know it, it, the someone joked with me one time and says like, what if, what if Bitcoin is the AI that uh, takes over <laughs> and just meaning like, <laughs> and I don't, you know, not to go down that tangent by any means, but like, you know, it is, it is pretty interesting how it has this ability to kind of maintain. And, you know, so what, uh, uh, in the middle of March is when everything crashed and Bitcoin went down to uh, 5,000 or sorry, 3,000, 3,800 or something like that from 10,000. 
And now it's it's pretty much remained steady at uh, you know right floating around seven thousand. I think it's at like seventy one or seventy two today. Yeah, uh, USD. So um, it's been interesting how it's been able to maintain its value um, more stably, more stable than some of these other uh, you know markets, currencies. Oil just went down the other day Yo, dramatically, gosh, yeah. right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's funny. You know, people have um, people like confirm. You know, we we all deal with confirmation bias. So yeah. as soon as Bitcoin drops, you know, I, there are certain people who I'm going to see in my my DMs and my WhatsApp messages and whatever who are like, "See, I told you, I told you, right? This whole thing's uh, right." And then as soon as it goes up again, they go silent. And then <laughs> so, so it, it, yeah. it's how it's how people are. I think people do it with everything. And you know, I I've got a long term vision, so I'm not a I'm not a trader. I'm not yeah. you know, trying to catch falling knives and, you know, read all these charts and predict where it's going to go on a sort of day to day or week to week basis. I understand, I believe in the long term value proposition. So I don't really, I've reached the stage now where, you know, first, first year I was involved, you know, I used to track the prices every day and freak, Oh gosh, that's gone up. That's gone down, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've taken my, taken my, my beatings and whatnot. But at this stage, I'm just like, yo, I don't really, care about what the price is like i'm not selling it like right. I'm, I'm gonna keep, like this is uh this is i believe in the long-term vision whether it's um you know five years or 10 years or 15 years or whatever i think that certainly from from an investment perspective i know some people say oh it's not an investment vehicle or whatever but i do think from an investment perspective it's something that um i'm willing to be patient on and i'm not yeah uh, I, I have been over invested in the past but I'm, I'm not at the stage where you know i don't want my holdings to go to zero but if they ever did, which I don't think they ever will, then um, it wouldn't, you know, end my life or something. I haven't, put, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I haven't taken all my chips and you know shoved, shoved them on not, Bitcoin or not but yet. I, <laughs> I, yeah, well, I, I think honestly, I, I think that even people who are somewhat skeptical, I still think it makes sense to have some. Oh yeah, some isn't or you know it does allocate a portfolio. I certainly think it makes sense to have at least some in Bitcoin. Totally. Do you know who Newt Gingrich is? He's a politician in the yeah. U.S. Okay. So, or a former politician. Anyways, uh, a friend of mine had him on a on an interview, and Newt Gingrich said that he has two Bitcoin, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't know if I, but like, I think it's, I think you might as well have a couple." Is kind of what he's, he yeah. said something yeah. along yeah. that, right? <laughs> so, like, super yeah. ultra conservative person, um, you know, is like, "Yeah, I think I think you should." So, no, I, I agree. I, I'm kind of the same function as you. Is that I think. I don't necessarily care if it goes up or down. I pay attention to it because it's because sure. you know it's interesting, but uh, it doesn't affect if I buy um, and I'm in it for the for what it is in the long. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm a terrible trader. Uh, my my trading my trading philosophy is to buy low, sell high. But for whatever reason, I, I just love <laughs> I love to buy high and sell low. It's not what like 70 something percent of people end up doing. I, I, I just yeah. don't trade. I'm yeah, exactly. Maybe, so, maybe I'll learn one day. I got my butt kicked like one or two times. And it's like, yeah, I'll, I'm just gonna hold on because I yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. I'm trying to get, you know, a couple hundred bucks, and, you know, more or a couple thousand. It's like, yeah. no, let's not mess with that. So, you know, so going back to the Bitcoin thing, um, you know, how, how, you know, as an artist, how have you seen Bitcoin make its way and infiltrate its way into um, the, the music scene? Is it like, do people in music care about it yet? Um, you know, I, I remember reading an article a while ago that 50 Cent had, you know, like a ton of Bitcoin by accident, yeah, basically, because yeah. yeah. he, he, uh, he, he was accepting it. Um, 
you know, to sell his, his CDs or something. I don't know if he found or I don't even know the story, but I just remember. Yeah, he, no, he, he, was, he was accepting it as a payment method for, I think, his uh, Animal Ambition album, I believe, uh-huh. which was a few years ago. So uh, I think they received a bunch and they weren't really sort of tracking it or paying attention or whatever. And then when there was the big price spike in 2017, it suddenly became worth a whole bunch. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So have, have you seen it take off or take, take hold in, in the music scenes at all? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. No. I mean, there, there are, there are some artists just like there are some people in any industry who are interested in it. There's a, yeah. definitely a bunch of, there's definitely some rappers who are into it. No question. Like I've heard certain rappers talk about Bitcoin in their songs. Yeah. So there's, there's no doubt that uh, there's some level of awareness, but, um, and it might be slightly higher than the general population possibly just because people tend to be a bit more creative and open-minded in those worlds. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, it's not, it's not a big thing yet. I mean, I, I, I accept Bitcoin on my, on my website for my music and my merchandise. Um, most people tend to pay in pounds or dollars, but um, <laughs> I, I do, I do accept it and yeah. I let it be known, accept it. So um, yeah, no, I think um, we, we'll see. I think, like I said, I, st- I think it's very much in the infancy stage, certainly yeah. in terms of adoption. I think in terms of technology, I think it might be, you know, a bit beyond the infancy stage, but, um, you know, th- things happen quickly. You know, there's stuff that we have and that we use now on a day-to-day basis that didn't exist 10 years ago. Totally. So people need to, I think people tend to underestimate what, how quickly things can change. Um, yeah. So I think pe- people tend to be quite short-sighted in terms of, I mean, <laughs> look at this year, man. None of us went into this year thinking we'd, we'd be in lockdown. Totally. We'd be on a global lockdown. <laughs> totally, totally. Right? No, no one foresaw that, right? Maybe you had like a couple people who are like, you know, super, super on the ball who are like, ooh, this thing that's happening in China, this could have this big, maybe well, like there were three people who thought that, but generally. Right. Yeah. Imagine if someone came to you in like January, 2020, and it was like, hey, I got to tell you something. Your kids, they're not going to school anymore. And, <laughs> and uh, you're going to have, have kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, First thing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, every time you want to go to the grocery store, um, there's going to be uh, 500 other people there with you. Uh, <laughs> you know, it'd, it'd just be crazy, right? You're totally right. Yeah, yeah. Things do evolve. Uh, you know, I have a seven year old and um, he, he does a lot of like this, you know, homeschooling type stuff through the school and, and my wife teaches them some extra stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, they started doing Zoom classes. <clears throat> and so they do it for, he, you know, because he's a first grade, they don't, they only do it for like a couple hours. But I'm like, I was thinking about it, I go, you know, I feel like my son w- probably wouldn't have even been exposed to Zoom until, I don't know, at least middle school, maybe, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I only have one, so I don't know if kids older than him are, were doing Zoom before now. But yeah, it's just really strange and interesting to think about how the world has changed. And like through something like this, our dependence on the internet or our dependence on, you know, voice over IP technology or our dependence on e-commerce, our dependence on uh, payment applications has grown, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see in a next interesting scenario like this one, how does cryptocurrency evolve? Like, like how does it like push it even further? Yeah. yeah. You know? So, um, you know, when, when, you, when you think about with what you're doing with your art and what you're doing, you know, um, what, what are some of the next things that you have on the horizon that you're working on? 
Okay, so in a couple of weeks from the time of recording this, I'm going to be releasing a course to help people grow and monetize on Twitter. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, I, I love Twitter, as you can probably tell. Yeah. And um, I think 99% of people use it very, very suboptimally. So I'm creating an entire course with my friend, um, Jose Rosado, to uh, help people with all of that. We've put a lot of time and effort into it, and we think it's going to help a whole bunch of people. So I've got that coming out. Um, I'm still running every week. I have my podcast going real talk with Zuby. So I drop new episodes every single Friday. So that's an ongoing thing. I have a brand new single, which is called okay, dude, which is coming out on the 8th of May. That's going to be on all platforms globally. Um, I'm going to have a music video coming for that as well. I am going to keep promoting my book, strong advice. I am also going to start writing a proposal for another book. And um, when we return back to normal life, I will have some live events, but um, I can't do them just yet. I did have some lined up, but everything's been postponed for now. So yeah, we'll see. But um, that's what I've got going on at the moment and coming up, but there will always be more. So watch this space. Nice. Nice. Awesome. That's good to know. Well, if you, if you make your way out to Seattle, let me know ahead of time and uh, we'll, we'll do, we'll do something like this live, um, which would be really cool, which would be really fun to do. Um, Well, Zuby, I want to give you kind of the last, last, the word, Uh, if there's any, anything you want to leave our listeners with, like a question for them to think about throughout their day or uh, some words of wisdom that they can kind of think about as they, as they um, are, are dealing with what they're dealing with. Yeah. Well, in this moment, I would say stay positive and understand that things can, things could be much worse. So instead of focusing on the things that you don't have or focusing on the things that you can't do, focus on the things that you do have and the things that you can do and be grateful for that. And take advantage of this time to do all of those things that you claimed that you previously didn't have time to do. I think uh, this is whole thing's a, you know, in a weird way for a lot of people, it could actually be a, a blessing in disguise because it's given, you know, with challenge always comes an opportunity. So if you can see that, then yeah, it'll serve you well in life in general, I think. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Zuby, what's the best way for people to stay in contact with you? Follow me on Twitter at Zuby Music, Z-U-B-Y Music. Perfect. Uh, awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to that course that you're, you're putting out. I'll definitely be paying attention to that. Um, and yeah, thanks again for, for being here. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's awesome, you know, cause without basically without COVID-19, like I probably wouldn't have thought to reach out to you to do a video like this, right? <laughs> so like kind of going back to like the positive of this, right. You know, cause the way I used to do my interviews was always in person. I was just kind of like very maniacal that every interview had to be in person. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's definitely positive things that come out of it. Um, Great, great. Well, hey, everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of the TF Podcast. Please make sure that you are following us on uh, socials with at TF Blockchain or myself at JG Product and uh, same for YouTube. And uh, uh, make sure that you are sharing this. And if you like it, please give us, um, fill up some of those stars and uh, tell your friends about it. Thanks so much. And we'll have some more episodes for you uh, in the coming days. Thanks.